Heavenly Father, we do thank you for your precious Son, Jesus Christ, who you gave for us so that we could be back into a right relationship with you. And we thank you that you gave him to us for a time in this world to teach his disciples. And we thank you that we have the words of his teachings contained before us today, that we have them in this Sermon on the Mount that we have been greatly blessed by in earlier years and then over the last months we have enjoyed immensely these words of Jesus Christ as he points us to himself and points out how we should be living to please you. Lord, continue to help us today as we look at these words. May they be understood by us because you give us insight into them today. May you speak through me and may we be built up in the faith and may if anyone here this morning does not know Christ for themselves. May this be the morning that they turn from darkness to light. May they turn to Jesus Christ this morning in repentance and faith and be saved. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, as a boy, I did one of those things that little boys and little girls tend to do is collect stamps and coins. Once I grew up, I grew out of the whole collecting stamps business. I thought it was um, a little bit of a waste of money and a waste of time collecting them, but my sister still uh, collects stamps. Uh, She buys them mint, of course, and she sees them as an investment uh, that one day she may sell off. So she buys these stamps still. One of the things that always interested me is the really rare stamps that uh, I would read about that I had no money whatsoever as a child to buy, but I was very interested in them. And, of course, when any, whenever something is very valuable, there are counterfeits that are made. And so there would be counterfeit stamps that people would pass off as the real thing that would then turn out to be counterfeits. And the same with coins. Rare coins are counterfeited and even common coins are counterfeited today. People like to make counterfeits of things. And as this goes even to the extent of... Um, Things like DVDs where you go overseas to certain countries and they have lots of big brand names and uh, and they have the movies there, the official DVDs, but it turns out they're not the official thing and so when you actually get them home and you watch them, Jill has one of these that her sister brought back from a certain uh, country and uh, the quality, the picture quality is very poor and so you realise that this is actually a counterfeit of the real thing. Counterfeits. Uh, show up all over the place. Fake things are around us. And Jesus was also interested in counterfeit things. Namely, in this passage that we're looking at, is counterfeit prophets, false prophets. And that's what we've come to this morning as we've been going through the Sermon on the Mount for a month now. I think I started, I looked at my records, we started in April last year, so it's probably going to take us almost 12 months to go through all of uh, Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. We're coming to the end now. But we've come to this passage on false prophets and it's in Matthew chapter 7, verses 15 through to verse 20, which we just read earlier. It's on page 961 of the Black Church Bibles. Jesus looks at false prophets. And so my first main point this morning, I've got three main points, so they're in the bulletin if you wanted to see them on the back. My first main point is that false prophets are a reality. False prophets are a reality. They do exist. So what is a false prophet? Well, to understand false prophets, firstly you need to understand what a real prophet is. 
To understand what a false thing is, you need to understand the real thing. And that's what happens with, with money in the, uh, in the bank. To train people to find false coins, they don't just show them false coins all the, da- all the day. The tellers, by counting money all the time, so I'm told, they feel the real thing so often that when they feel the fake, they're able to then say, yes, of course, this is a fake note or a fake coin. So what is a prophet? Well, the Bible teaches what prophets actually are. Prophets are those who declare the word of God. We have them all through the Old Testament as men who come and women. There are women who are prophets there in the Old Testament. Uh, They come forward and they proclaim the word of God. And what is the purpose of them proclaiming the word of God? Well, there's basically two functions of a prophet. One is what we call foretelling and the other is what we know as foretelling. Foretelling is where a prophet comes with a revelation from God about why the situation is what it is that you're currently experiencing. So they talk about why things are happening to you now and they bring the word of God about what you should do in the present. But the other thing that prophets do, which is what most people understand prophets do, is foretell what is going to happen. Only God knows the future as to what is going to happen and so he then gives a revelation to his people about what is going to happen. So they bring the word of God to explain the current situation and what you should be doing and they also explain what is coming. And so every Christian is really a prophet in one sense. We all have the word of God and we are able to give that to other people. We don't receive it in the way that the prophets did in the Old Testament. Well, I don't personally. God doesn't speak to me in visions and dreams as he did to some of the prophets in the Old Testament, but I know he speaks through his word and so I have his word and so then I can act as one of his prophets towards other people. I can explain why the situation that we live in, the culture that we live in is the way it is because of sin and reasons like that, because the Bible tells me so and I can also predict the future because I have the words of God here. I can say what is going to happen as God has revealed it, that there is a heaven, that there is a hell and judgment is coming, that one day the world as we know it will cease to exist and God, Jesus will return and everything will be changed and the world as we know it won't be the United States of America, Australia over here, the UK, things will be revolutionised and it won't be the same. And I can predict that as one of God's prophets and so can you if you have God's word and you can tell others what is going to happen. So then what are false prophets? If real prophets are that, what are false prophets? Well then they're people who claim to have the word of God but they don't. They mislead people that what they are saying is the word of God when it's not true at all. They pretend that they are telling you what is to come when they don't actually know. They don't have a word from God themselves and they are misleading people. They are false prophets. They don't really have the word of God at all. And false prophets are a reality. That's my first main point I'm trying to make now is that they are a reality. They've always been around. We just read from Jeremiah 
in the Old Testament there and he speaks quite a lot about false prophets and false prophets are there all through the history of Israel. People coming who claim to have the word of God but do not actually have it at all. They were a reality in the past and they are a reality today as well. Because we rely on God's uh, on God to convey his message to us generally through other people, people are always going to be coming to us with, we know what God's word says, we have a word from God, and so they will pretend to be prophets because we rely on people to give us the word of God. And so they are reality, they've always been around and they are around today because God doesn't speak to us directly, he uses human agency generally, that's the way he operates. And what is the result of false prophets? Are they a danger at all? Or should we just not really care about false prophets? Well, Jesus describes false prophets as wolves in sheep's clothing. He sees them as a danger and he tells us in verse 15 there, watch out. You only watch out for something that's a danger. You only beware of something that's a danger. You watch out for these false prophets. And by describing them as wolves, they're seen to be dangerous. What are wolves? Well, wolves are the natural enemy of sheep. They're the the animals that come in and scatter the sheep and take advantage of them. They want to feed on the defenceless sheep. So in this illustration, what is Jesus speaking about? Well, he's speaking about sheep as the people of God. That's a common way that Christians are described in the Bible, is as sheep, and wolves are coming in to take advantage of the sheep and to attack them. And they're not just any sort of wolves. What does Jesus describe them as there in verse 15? Watch out for false prophets. They come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are wolves? No, it says ferocious wolves. These are dangerous wolves. They're not domesticated sort of puppy dog wolves. These are ferocious ones. These ones will attack the sheep and harm Christians greatly. We need to watch out for them. Okay, so false prophets exist. How do you spot them then? We're meant to watch out for them. How do we spot them? Well, Jesus tells us, and that's my second main point this morning. He says, take, uh, my second main point this morning is take time to find false prophets by their fruit. By their fruit. And Jesus says this in verses 16 and 17. He, he tells us to watch out for false prophets and then in verse 16 of Matthew chapter 7 it says, By their fruit you will recognise them. Do people pick grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Likewise, every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit and a bad tree cannot bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus, by their fruit you will recognise them. We're supposed to take time to recognise these prophets by their fruit. Jesus is taking a common uh, idea, a common concept that we understand and using it as an illustration. Trees bear fruit. And so he uses that to explain how we are to recognise false prophets. Now this takes time, as I've said in my main point there. Take time. And this is the understanding that we have with trees and fruit, isn't it? You plant a tree in the backyard a little one, or you may plant the seed and you're not going to get fruit from it straight away. I remember buying an orange tree, I love oranges, and I planted it in the backyard as a kid and I was expecting oranges within a couple of months. 
No, it was a small plant. It had to grow up. And, and my dad explained it maybe years before you get decent oranges from that tree. And of course, um, the tree died and I never got anything from it because it was meant to be cared for by me. Uh, but we have to take time to see fruit come on trees. And then, it is only then when the fruit shows up that we can often identify a tree. I'm hopeless when it comes to gardening. And so you show me a plant or a tree and I'm not going to necessarily be able to tell you what sort of tree it is. But if you show me a tree and it's got an apple swinging from it, I can then start identifying that this tree is a good one. This tree is an apple tree and it will be a blessing to have around. It will feed me. But it takes time to do that, to be able to then identify the tree. And so it is with false prophets. It's going to take time to see fruit from them and to see that from regular prophets, from the good prophets, it's going to take some time. You're going to have to wait for the fruit to start showing up. And then the other reason it takes time is because you're going to have to examine the fruit carefully. Just because a tree has what looks like an apple on it doesn't necessarily mean it is a good tree, that it's going to have good apples on it or that it even is an apple tree. Jesus gives the example here in verse 16. He says, Do people pick grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Now one commentator picks up on this and says that the, in Jesus' day there was a buckthorn and it had little berries on it. And so you could mistake those as a form of grapes that would be good for wine. It wasn't until you picked the grapes started making some wine that you realised that these weren't grapes at all, they were bad berries that were actually harmful. And so from appearances you think you've got something good here. But once you examine it and start to use it, it then turns out that the tree wasn't helpful at all. And the other one is figs from thistles. Well apparently from, uh, there was a, a thistle bush in Jesus' time where from a distance you would see the flower of it and it actually looked like a fig from a distance. But once you actually approached and examined the tree carefully and took the time to look at the flower, you realise this isn't a fig at all. And so it is with false prophets. You take time to wait for fruit to show up, but then you also need to take time to examine the fruit and look at what the fruit is and see whether it is good or whether it is bad fruit there. So we're meant to take time to examine the fruit of false prophets. That's how we spot them. But what is their fruit then? We're meant to look at their fruit. What is the fruit here? We're not talking about apples and oranges. We're talking about the fruit of prophets, not the fruit of trees. The illustration is there. What is this fruit that we're meant to be looking at? Well, that's my third main point this morning. My last main point. The prophet's fruit is generally their teaching and their behaviour. That's how you identify a prophet. A good prophet as well as a false prophet. It's by their teaching and their behaviour. What do you look for in their teaching? How do you identify a false prophet by their teaching? Well, their teaching actually may be fine on many counts. They may be orthodox on many things. But remember, what we're dealing here with isn't just a blatant, uh, what we looked at a few weeks earlier, a dog or a pig that shows quite clearly that they are hostile to Christianity. Now, what does Jesus describe these false prophets as? wolves in sheep's clothing. So they appear to be good. And so a false prophet can actually teach 
things that are quite fine on many occasions. They may defend the virgin birth. They may defend the resurrection, that Jesus was a real man. He was a historical figure and that he died on the cross. They may defend those kinds of things. They may enforce the Ten Commandments quite heavily and and encourage you as a Christian, you should follow these things and have a high level of morality that they encourage, which is good as a Christian. We're supposed to uh, be looking at the Ten Commandments and trying to apply them in our lives and the teachings of Jesus here in the Sermon on the Mount, all the commands that he's given us there, and they may be happy to do so. It's what their teaching lacks that generally identifies a false prophet. A false prophet will tell you all the things that you know are right, but they just leave out some very crucial things. One thing that they like to leave out is that God is a wrathful God and that his judgement is coming. They like to speak about God's love, but they don't speak about God's justice and his wrath. They leave those things out and they tell you not to worry about such things. They may minimise sin in people's lives. Some false prophets may encourage you to be as righteous as possible, but some may minimise sin and say, oh, you don't need to worry so much about your sin. You don't need to be concerned. And they may be optimistic then about man and his goodness rather than speaking about man as totally depraved and good for nothing when it comes to God. They say, oh, no, there is some goodness in man. There are some things that are still wonderful in man in himself. No, they will speak about man's goodness and this is what humanism teaches, is that man has the ability to elevate themselves in goodness all the time whereas the Bible's understanding of man is that he's totally and utterly depraved. He has nothing good in him apart from what God does for him through the Lord Jesus Christ. We cannot help ourselves. We are helpless. Whereas a false prophet won't tell you that And of course, the big thing that false prophets will leave out is that Jesus Christ is the only way to heaven. They may tell you that Jesus is one of the ways. They won't say that Jesus isn't a way, but they'll add other ways on. And so they'll leave out that Jesus is the only way. They'll say other religions are okay. Other religions can help you get to God. It doesn't matter really what you believe. As long as you believe in something, as long as you have faith in something, that's okay. And so they leave out that Jesus, his, his statement, I am the way, the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. They leave that out. Jesus is a way, but he's not the only way. They leave out that word except through me. And so you spot them by what they leave out. How do you discover if their teaching is false? Well, of course, you use the scriptures. You use the word of God that you have to examine their teachings. And you should be even doing that with what I say on a Sunday. Don't just take it for granted that whatever Joel says must be right. No, you examine it by the word of God. And if you disagree with something that I say, I'm more than happy to try and discuss it with you afterwards or set up a meeting with you and we'll go through the word of God and you can evaluate whether what I've said is true. You're meant to evaluate the teachings of people who claim to be Christians around you. You're not meant to just take them at face value. You're meant to evaluate them by the word of God. And then the other way is their fruit is shown in their behaviour. Not just their teaching, but their behaviour. And it makes sense that you should look at the behaviour 
of people around you. Just as we look at, we, we call it fruit. Fruit is maybe pleasing to the eye, but what we're interested in is what it does. How does it function? Is it good to eat? You know, how is it functioning? And so you want to look at the lives of the Christians around you and the religious leaders that you have, the Christian leaders. You want to look at their lives and see how they're behaving and that is their fruit. You want to examine that. What behaviours are you looking for? Well, again, just as with the teaching, you look in the Word to see whether their teaching is fixed, uh, squares up with the Word of God. So with their behaviours. Do their behaviours match up with what the Bible says Christians should behave like. And, I mean, if you're thinking right now, well, what sort of behaviours are we talking about? Well, just go back through the rest of the Sermon on the Mount here where Jesus has spoken about how people who are part of the kingdom should live righteous lives. They should be humble people. They should be pure. They're meant to be peacemakers. They're meant to be trusting. They're meant to be people of prayer, people who are obedient to God, people who are truthful, who are loving to even their enemies. These are types of fruit that they're generous to the poor. Jesus spoke about that, giving to the needy earlier. Rejection of hypocrisy, being slow to judge rather than quick to judge, not judging hypocritically, being patient with others, being kind towards them, being self-controlled in the way they behave. These kinds of things are the behaviours you're looking for in the people around you who call themselves Christians. And if you do not see those behaviours, then you should be starting to think this fruit is not matching up with this tree. This tree is claiming to be an apple tree, but it's not producing apples at all. It's producing something completely different. And it will start to show up eventually. I said you have to wait, but it will show up. The fruit will. The behaviours will. And you might start to see a bit of the wolf's fur coming through. You might see the lamb's wool that's over the top there. Certain behaviours are there. They're self-controlled in these areas. The little bits of the wolf's fur start to show through. The person who claims to be a Christian gets angry at the drop of a hat. The temper just snaps. It takes time to get to know the person and see it happen, but it's there. The regular selfishness starts to come through. The unloving behaviour, the hateful attitude towards certain other people around starts to show up and you see that wolf's fur coming through and you recognise them as a false prophet and that you have to be very careful around them. So are you watching out for wolves in sheep's clothing or do you take a bit of a complacent attitude to all those who call themselves Christians? You're just happy. If someone calls themselves a Christian, then that's good enough for you and you just take this complacent attitude towards them. Or do you carefully check what they say in comparison to God's word? What they, the statements that they come out with, the things that they teach you. We all start teaching one another when we open our mouths and start talking about Christ and the Bible. When we have Bible studies together and we discuss the Bible, we're starting to teach one another. You've got to be careful with what people are saying, that you don't just take it on board, that you compare it to the word of God and check their teaching and see what they're saying. Do you carefully look at the behaviour of other Christians or are you just keen to show up on Sundays, associate in the worship service and then clear off and not actually have time with other Christians and examine their behaviours and you just take everything Joel says for granted without ever getting to know Joel and evaluating his behaviour and seeing whether he is a godly person at all. Do you take time to look at the behaviour of those Christians around you 
Now you may be developing here this morning a healthy attitude to watching out for wolves in sheep's clothing and maybe you've been doing it thoroughly in the past and you've just been encouraged this morning. But just before I finish, I just want to say, well, what about you personally? Is there any chance you are a wolf in sheep's clothing? You've come along this morning, so you look like a Christian because you're in church. You may call yourself a Christian, but you've never actually embraced Christ for yourself. You've never repented of your sins and believed in the Lord Jesus Christ as the payment for your sins. You're actually a wolf. You've never become a sheep. You hold to false teachings. You don't like this idea that man is sinful. You don't like this idea that Jesus is coming back to judge the world and he will separate people and some people will go to eternal hell and destruction and some people will go to paradise. You don't like that teaching. You express it quietly to some people who call themselves Christians as well from time to time and you hold on to it yourself. And you exhibit ungodly behaviours from time to time. You call yourself a Christian and you exhibit some good behaviours around Christians but when it comes to the workplace and there's non-Christians there you, you uh, let things go and you become that selfish person that you really are inside. Is that you? You're actually a wolf in sheep's clothing? Well you may be able to deceive many Christians to believe that you're a sheep but you can't deceive God. He knows that you're a wolf under that lamb's wool that you have over you. And there's a warning here in this passage for you. What does it say? Verse 19. To the wolves, listen. Verse 19. Every tree that does not bear good fruit goes into eternal life. No, it says, is cut down and thrown into the fire. Wolves are found out eventually. They will be destroyed. It is not a pleasant thing to be a wolf on Judgment Day and for the rest of eternity. Are you a wolf in sheep's clothing here this morning? Be warned by this passage. Repent and believe in Jesus Christ today. Become a sheep right now. We were all wolves at one point. Everyone in this room. But many of us have decided to heed this warning, heed this prophecy from Jesus the prophet of the coming judgement and become a sheep. Join us, repent of your sins, believe in Jesus Christ and become a sheep this morning. Let us speak with him now. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you did not leave us all as wolves angry with God and angry at God's people but that you in your mercy you enabled us to become sheep. Lord we pray that we may be true sheep and not false prophets. May our teachings that we speak to one another be what is in the word of God and true. May we exhibit behaviour that is righteous and loving and kind to those around us. And Lord, help us as sheep to keep an eye out for false prophets. They are around. There are many warnings in your scriptures against them. Help us not to be complacent, but to heed the warnings of Jesus Christ, to look at the 
fruit of those around us. Evaluate their teaching, evaluate their behaviour and be very careful not to be taken advantage by ravenous, ferocious wolves who are just seeking their own personal profit. And Lord, we pray if there are any wolves here this morning pretending to be sheep, Lord, convict them of their sin and their future eternal destruction in hell. And may they repent even now and believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.